Dr. Paul is bringing dentistry to the TikTok generation and doing an amazing job at it. He's not afraid to make a satirical video to cut through with his message or share his thoughts like any other influencer. But is this important? How is he making an impact to his target audience? Does it make a difference to his bottom line? And what does his industry peers think about it? We love it. So let's find out some more. Hi, Dr. Paul. How are you? Yeah, really well, thanks. How are you doing, Hayley? Thank you so much for having us in your uh, practice. It's lovely. Really enjoying You're ourselves. You're welcome. You're welcome. Happy to have you. Good. Um, very impressed with your Instagram and Facebook um, counter. It's pretty um, cool. It is very cool. Um, it's a good way to get extra likes because... <laughs> People test it like you did. Yeah, straight away. And then after I did, I was like, damn it, I wish I'd filmed that. Yeah. Um, which is a great lead into what we're talking about today because sure. you've, you have been doing a lot on Instagram. Uh, and that's how we came to, to notice you and what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just so different. Um, and like I said in the intro, we really want to kind of understand a little bit more about that. Why it's important, you know, what you, why you would encourage other dentists to be doing that. Sure. Um, but yeah, really super excited to, to, to be here. So thank yeah, you. Welcome. Okay. So we'll just crack straight into it. Um, so what is it like practicing dentistry when Instagram and social media is a major part of your portfolio and resume? I think it's, it's something that we're not trained for, like at university, we're not trained for, but I I see it as being the way, like everything is social media these days. So um, I'm excited because I'm I'm a part of it right now. Um, I'm I'm not anywhere near the forefront, and there's like people that are doing much better than I am and putting more content, and which is cool because there's people that are leading the way that you can follow their lead a little bit. But I think it's it's nice because it's a way to. I guess for patients to see what work you're doing and scroll on Instagram, like, oh, I like the work that he's got. And then they see the rest of your portfolio. And if you put up some social things, they can see who you are as well. So when they come into the practice, they already know a bit about you. They know about your work. A lot of the, I guess, hard work of showing someone your cases and them learning about you when they're actually at the practice, it's already been done. So um, it just makes things a lot easier, I think, for everyone. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it because I, th- I think it's the way that things are going to go moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And do you think it alters or has some impact on the types of uh, customers that you have into the practice? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think if you've got patients, if you, if you have a dental... Uh, if you have a dental practice where patients, are, they're coming in for a checkup and a clean, a lot of the time they're not... They don't even really know what aesthetic options are out there like if they want Invisalign or if they want veneers they don't know about those things and they don't know what services are out there even if your practice already does them so those sort of patients because they're not exposed and they're not seeing it in front of them then it's harder to have those conversations and it may happen eventually but you have to almost plant those little seeds whereas patients that come in that see your work on Instagram they're patients that are coming in like specifically for those things. So the the patient and like the target market is like completely different, um, which is nice because they're, they're already kind of pre-qualified type thing. And as long as they like you and they like the product that you're offering them, then then they're probably going to go ahead with what you what you have, which is really cool. And what I find really interesting as well is if you went back, you know, even just a couple of years, yeah. you know, but back five years, 10 years, can you even imagine that somebody would have gone to the dentist and talked about it openly and took <laughs> and, you know, took a picture and shared it like, and that's what's just so amazing about what you're doing, but also this kind of generation that we're in at the moment that people are taking photos going to the dentist. Mm. And they're putting it on their story and talking about how good of an experience it was and um, and it's all genuine too. Like when, when you see those people talking about it, like, yes, there might be some, 
social media thing that they're doing for that. There might be a reason, but it's not like, it, like they're actually doing it because they do enjoy it. And there's heaps of patients out there that they still share their experience because they like the place and they like the people and they like the work. And that I think, yeah, even five, like you said, five or 10 years ago, the most that I, I can really remember seeing on social media was that a practice might've, you know, started to branch out a little bit and, oh, well, let's get a Facebook page and, They'll upload a few random photos with patients and then the rest with like these generic kind of toothbrushing pictures. And that that was like being having a social media presence like five or 10 years ago. And now it's like, if you're still doing that, you, you need to catch up a little bit, I think. Um, so yeah, it's very different. It's really cool. Um, one of the things that just, I couldn't stop laughing when I saw it was your video where you've changed the words from the Dance Monkey song, which we'll definitely be getting in um, in here somewhere, to, to Brush For Me. Yeah. Um, just brilliant. How did you come up with that concept? I'm a bit of a weird guy when it comes to just making up random songs. <laughs> it, it, just something will happen. Like I'll think, oh, Brush For Me, Brush For Me. And then, and then I'll just, I'll spend 10 minutes writing lyrics and I'm like, all right, now I just got to film it. And <laughs> So it was actually, I, I filmed one when coronavirus happened. I don't know if you've seen that one, but that one's probably my favorite one because it was it was really topical because there were a few reasons why patients couldn't come to the dentist. And so it was something to, along the lines of like, we can't touch this. It's like, unless you've got a toothache, <laughs> we can't touch this. Like, we can't actually see you for an appointment, basically. Um, and then so I shared that and um, a bunch of, like, there are a lot of people that, like, reshared and all this sort of stuff. And then a mate was like, whenever you do the next one, like, please let me know. So the other guy that's featured in the video, um, it ended up being a collaboration because he's like, I, I want to be involved. That was super cool. Um, but yeah, that was a bit of fun. Don't, can't touch this. It's brilliant. <laughs> so good. But it's, it's that cut through as well that you're really achieving. Mm. Um, it's great and you're certainly bridging gaps between consumers and healthcare professionals would you say this is a driver for your style of communication yeah I would say so because I think part of it is that like in in the past I think dentistry or like seeing the dentist was just different like I think that I hear stories from like 20 years ago my dad was a dentist he's retired now shout out to my dad but um, 20 years ago when he was working it was like you'd go to the dentist and they'd say oh you should do x y and z treatment and you would just get it done um, and I think that the, the dentist was like kind of seen as this person like you would just listen to them like they were the authority and now because I think dentistry is becoming a bit more saturated especially in an area like Sydney where there's a lot of dentists there's a lot of people out there that are like going for second opinions or mm, sorry that's a bit too expensive I'm just going to go somewhere else if someone already knows a bit about you or if they already know your work then they can justify it it's kind of like they you buy with emotion, but then you justify it with logic. And I think that that's, that's kind of how things work. And if you're not like that, then you are going to end up that people be like, oh, yes, sorry, I'm just going to have to think about it for now or I'll speak with my partner. And then they'll go down the road and, and speak with that guy. And if they've already seen on their portfolio online on Instagram or if that someone's shared something they've done, well, then they're more likely to go ahead with that person. So I think it's like kind of bridging the gap between you and the client before you even see them. Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, there's nothing more powerful than a referral. For sure. Yeah. Um, so another thing I'd really like to touch on is the whole Google generation. Yeah. Um, you know, people have access to an infinite amount of information. You know, patients can look up everything. Yeah. Um, you know, how has this had an impact on the way that you practice? It's difficult because you need to know what they're searching because sometimes they'll come in, they're asking these questions or are you going to do this to my teeth? Like for, for, for example, veneers. Like with a veneer preparation, if you type into Google, like how to prepare your teeth for veneers, like you'll see these little tiny stumps of teeth and 
it, that's just not how it is, or it's not how it should be anyway. It's a very old school way of doing it. So, knowing what they're kind of looking at first is an important thing so you can be up to date with, you know, it's almost like you're becoming prepared for what they might ask you when they come in. Um, but I, I guess the other side is just making sure that the information you provide them is accurate to them because what you Google is not specific to your situation. It's a very generic answer. And so I guess it's, it's tailoring it specifically to them and explaining why, okay, your case is actually different because we have to do this, this, and this first, or we would do this and then we would do that after just like as an example. So um, I think it's just making it more personal than what they would find online. Um, I think that's probably the important part from that, but yeah, it's difficult. And definitely an opportunity there as well for, I, I keep mentioning Instagram, you do have a Facebook page and a YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, but, you know, being able to kind of dispel some of those myths, yeah. um, you know, this is what veneers actually look like when, yeah. when you come in and this was a real person yeah, who, who, was, who was in the practice. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, just going to move on to a bit more history, a bit of a history lesson for people yeah. and, and just see why things have changed yeah. moving forward because I find that really interesting because again, you know, like we spoke about earlier, going to the dentist was such a different experience yeah. um, even just a few years ago and now, you know, in lockdown, it was like the most glamorous thing that you could go and do. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's really shifted the way in which um, we see the dentist. Yeah. Um, so so how? what do you think, is it some kind of like generation or trauma previously that it was going to the dentist and do you think that's shifted? Yeah, I think there's a few things. So I, I guess like to touch on the generational trauma thing, patients like say 30 or 40 years ago that used to go to the dentist, it was a lot less about prevention. It was more about, well, you've got a hole in that tooth, let's just pull it out rather than we should try and keep it. And then obviously if you go to the dentist every time and they just start pulling teeth out, you're going to be traumatized by that. Like naturally, that's just what happens. They also had equipment that was just a lot worse than what we have today. Now we have like treatment that's a lot more gentle and there's less noises. And they used to have these crazy pedals that the dentist was like, I didn't even, I thought it was a joke. When, <laughs> and then it turns out it's real. Like they used to pedal to like get the drill spinning. So obviously you're going to feel a lot of vibrations. And, and sounds. It'd be awful. Oh God. So I got a lot of patients who still come in and they're traumatized by what happened as like a kid. So I think there's that side of it. Um, but then, so I guess the, the kids that are growing up now, like say the, the 20, 30 year olds, they don't have exposure to that stuff. So I think that going to the dentist is a lot more comfortable than what it used to be. Um, we have more technology to make needles more comfortable. Like everything is just more comfortable. Like there's a TV on the screen, we put Bluetooth headphones on, all that sort of stuff. The other thing as well is that because dentistry is now so saturated previously, they used to call it the golden days of dentistry where... It wasn't difficult. It was like you'd have heaps of patients, you'd always be busy and they would just go ahead with the treatment. Now with second opinions and all of that sort of stuff, you have to be able to sell yourself and sell the treatment to the to the client or to the patient. And I think that because of that, it's becoming a bit more also about the experience. Like we've recently renovated or a few years ago, this place was renovated. And when someone comes in, they notice that when so oh, this this place is nice they're probably going to be looking after my teeth really well as well, just because look how they look after it here. Like if you came in and there was like dirt on the floor or like there was the paint was falling off, you'd be like, oh, are they, are they doing good dentistry as well? So I think that because the competition is a lot stiffer, we, we have to just make it more of a, I guess, an, an impressive experience that someone's like, actually, that, that was not as bad as I expected. That was really cool. I'm going to recommend my friends now to go and see that guy. So the, the, there is a huge amount that... We just have to because of the competition. And the other thing as well is that 
someone could leave your practice. And if they had a bad experience, literally within two minutes, if you had a five star on Google, you could be like a 4.5, which is a huge, you might be out of the question now for someone who was looking for you, like potentially in, in a week's time. Um, and that's super powerful. And it's not to say that you, that we would change our treatment or do things like overly different in a bad way. It's just that we, we're caring more for them and we're putting in more effort to make their experience as good as possible. And if you do those things, it, it pays dividends. Like we get most of our patients either from word of mouth referrals or from Google and yeah, super powerful. Great stuff. Yeah. I'm really into technology and the medical technology. So what I want to know is in your opinion, what is the coolest piece of technology that you have in the practice and what does it do? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, I would say the coolest piece of technology, we've got this 3D scanner, which basically you take a 3D scan of your patient's teeth. So it's uh, essentially this long camera. It's got like, it's a really long handle with a little small camera on the end. And it takes a, like a thousand photos, little small photos, and it stitches them together to bring up on this touch screen that you can like rotate the teeth and show how they come together. And to be able to explain someone or to be able to explain to someone, hey, see this tooth here? It's got this big crack in it and that top tooth is hitting down into it. You can show them literally on the screen in front of them. Like from a communication standpoint, it's just huge. And um, trust as well. Exactly. I guess, because previously you just, you don't know what's going on in your mouth. And right. You just trust that the dentist For is sure. doing what they should be like, doing. I guess like an analogy is like if you were to go to a mechanic and you think everything's fine and you're like, I'm just getting a checkup for my car. It'll be like a $70 oil change. You come out like, sorry, it's like three grand. You need this done. You're like, what? What do you mean? If you can't see what they can see, why would you believe them? Unless you had that trust already. So because... If someone comes to you for the first time, which often they do, if it's off of Google, that trust hasn't been built yet. So if you can then just, uh, I'm literally showing you, it's like picture tells a thousand words. Like you can't disagree with that. So from a patient standpoint, they just get a whole lot more. They just get it. But then just from like a technology standpoint, we use that stuff for uh, designing implants, designing Invisalign, doing veneers. Like we, there's a whole lot of extra uses as like dentists that we use that 3D technology for as well. But like from a patient standpoint, it's really cool too. And does it happen kind of instantly? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like one minute you scan the bottom teeth, one minute to scan the top teeth, and then you've got them both on the screen in front of you. Yeah, it's super cool. I was going to ask you what this means for the overall customer experience, but I, you've already answered that. You know, yeah. it just makes everything more visible. Yeah. Um, it makes it more real. Mm -hmm. They can see. Yeah. Um, I think as well, like I, I've had a lot of patients where I'll scan their teeth and they're like, oh, is that my teeth or is that how crowded they are or is that X, Y, and Z? And you're like, yeah, like I, I'm not making, I didn't edit this first and then show you like, this is literally you right now. So it's really cool. So I want to have a little chat to you now about dentistry in Australia specifically. Yep. So the varying landscape in Australia provides an amazing opportunity to work with different demographic types, particularly in rural and remote areas. What opportunities does this provide in dentistry? I think huge amounts. So I think that, when you come out of university, um, you, you're in the situation. It's like, do you try to get work in the city um, because that's where you might be from and, you know, there's better nightlife and more things to do and your friends might be there? Or do you end up in somewhere that's a bit more remote and you don't have those things? But, like, from a dental standpoint, like, the exposure that you get is, like, it's non-comparable. If you're working in the city, um, often the patients, they don't have a lot wrong with their teeth. They might just be coming in for a regular checkup and clean and you'll learn some things from that, but, but not really. If you're, out in, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and someone comes in with a huge facial swelling, like you have to do something. Like you've got to get them out of pain and you learn like really quick what to do. So I think the fact that you don't really have 
other people, other specialists around you. You end up doing kind of more treatment that you might not be exposed to in the city. There's um, the, the patients are different. The treatment that you do is different. I think the actual experience that you get in terms of just being in one of those towns is is also really cool. I wasn't in a remote area. I was in a rural area when I first um, left uni and I started working. And I think it's different in the city. Like being in the city now, like I, I don't see any of my patients outside. Like I don't, I'm not really a part of the kind of community that my patients are also a part of. And I think you're missing out on that when you're in like one of those towns like you go out for dinner on a Friday night, you'll see your patients. Oh, hey, Bob. Hey, Jill. How you going? Like that's that's just, it's a nice experience. And I, I like that. You get like, a, I guess, more a sense of the, the culture and the community and stuff. So I think the treatment that you do is different, but also the experience you have there is very different too. And I guess um, you'd be, you'd have lots of different scenarios, completely yeah. different scenarios. Yeah. Um, you know, just thinking about if someone has to travel three hours to the dentist, they're not yeah. going to be coming back you know, every week to be, you yeah, know, that's right. getting their Invisalign sorted. So what kind of uh, decision-making processes do, do, would a patient have out there? Yeah, so I guess like the, the treatment that you can offer would is always going to be the same, but you might tailor it kind of differently to them. So it might mean that rather than if you had to do a bunch of fillings, rather than doing two fillings this day and two the next week, you might end up doing all of them together. Or um, the type of work, it might be that, well, I might not see you again for five years because you live so far away. I might need to do this treatment instead of that one because I really want to make sure this works type thing. Um, and then a lot of time as well, it's that if they're not going to be coming back for a while and they just want to be out of pain, then you just get them out of pain. You just do whatever you can to do that. And it's not like, oh, let's try this and we'll monitor it. Like you just, you have to do something basically. Pull it out. Sometimes it is that. And a lot of those patients, like not to generalize, but a lot of those patients, that's just what they want. They want, I don't care if I lose another tooth, just take it out. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have to possibly come back and have root canal therapy later. Like let's just get this done. Let's just pull it out. Which for me, it was a little bit like that in the town I was working. And I ended up getting really good at taking teeth out, which is... <laughs> It's a skill that you actually need to have because you'll always get one patient that comes in and they'll be like, oh, I was I was seeing this other dentist and they were pretty good. But there was this one time they tried taking this tooth out and they took about an hour and a half and they had their knee on my, on my chest. And it's probably not the truth, but that's what they remember. Mm. And that sticks with them. If you're good at taking teeth out, they think you are just a god. Like, <laughs> oh, the last dentist, he, he couldn't get, even if it was an easy extraction, like to, to them, it's just how long it took basically. Um, so that, that that's a good skill that is super invaluable in dentistry. And you don't get that when you're here. Like, I don't see the same sort of patients at all. Like, I, I'd be doing a few extractions a day up there. I do, like, a few a month here. It's completely different. And how do you think the industry can encourage dentists to work remotely? Well, that's a tough one. Um, because, like I said, people want to be around things to do. They want to be around family. And I guess there, there has to be some incentive, I suppose. Uh, I know that with medicine there are incentives to go into a remote area that are, I think government funded that you get like a, a living away from home allowance. They help pay for your rent. They help you to move out there. Um, they'll give you a higher salary type thing. Um, and not to say that all positions need to be like that, but, but maybe if, if one university doesn't have something set up like that, they can do five positions that at the end of your degree, okay, you're, you're committed to going to one of these postcodes at the end of it type thing. And I think that would get people... I guess, out of the, the mindset of, oh, I have to go back to the city. If, if they don't have a choice, they don't have a choice and they will just go and do it. So I think there has to be some sort of incentive for it, whether it be like a, a monetary incentive or a time incentive. I'm not sure what it is, but I think it's important because there's, there's definitely a shortage in, in those sort of areas, unfortunately. 
maybe after the lockdown, people might have seen their life a little bit differently and want that kind of, uh, maybe then we need a marketing campaign from. (laughs) (laughs) Escape COVID, go to the country. (laughs) Pull teeth out. Pull teeth out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, obviously HPG, we're recruiters, so we can't leave without asking you a few questions about recruitment. Um, So... The first question is, if somebody asked you in a bar why they should become a dentist, what would you say? Because it's an awesome job. Um, uh, there's a caveat to that, though. There's, it's an awesome job because you get to interact with people all the time. And I feel like that's just something that as humans, a lot of us like doing. We like interacting with people, but you're also helping those people at the same time. People often, like they, they come in and like they might just be in for a checkup, but most of the time they need something done. They might have decay in their tooth or they might have a sore tooth or they just want like a smile enhancement. To be able to do those things for people, although they don't really enjoy their time here that much um, some of the time, they're always very thankful for it. So I think that like I get like a huge reward from just being able to help people at the end of the day, it's like, that was cool. Like I, I saw eight people today and I did a good job with all of them and they're all super stoked. And that, that's a really nice feeling. Um, I think from like a, a standpoint of like for people that like to work with their hands, obviously we do that. These are like the main things that we use. Um, that's, that's a nice thing to be able to do because people that are like crafty, they like, oh, I, I might not sure if I want to try this, but like dentistry, like it, it, you're literally working and sculpting things. We're like a- engineers, but like in a very small type scale. Um, but there's a whole lot of science to it as well and problem solving, like why you can use a certain material in this situation, but not in that situation, why that one's going to work better. And then from like a, an engineering standpoint, um, it's, there's a big functional thing, like why we have to design something this way and not that way. And yeah, so... It's pretty cool. And then the, the problem solving part is that someone comes in and they're explaining they've got a toothache here and you have a look and, well, I can't see a problem there, but I can see that there's something down the bottom, but I don't want to go against what you've just told me, but I can see that there's an issue there. Why don't we try and fix that first? And like getting through all these problems, it's 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 quite rewarding. Stressful though. The caveat would be it's stressful because I, I find that often it attracts a personality, like a very perfectionist personality and someone who's very logical and it's like, well, I did this treatment and it didn't work what's wrong um, and so you can you can leave work very stressed I tried the I tried my hardest with this and it didn't work and now I feel bad for the patient and you can take your work home with you and I think that a skill that a dentist does need to have is to be able to disconnect as soon as you leave and yes you should feel bad for the patient but as long as you try your hardest and you do whatever you can you can't take it with you because it'll always be in the back of your mind and it's going to affect you the next day. So that would be my caveat is that be prepared for a little bit of stress, but it's well worth it in my opinion. And just going back to what you're saying about you're able to help people. Have you got any kind of um, stories that just stand out in your mind of something that's particularly emotional? Um, And I'm thinking again, back to social media, you know, you see these stories and someone's smile has completely changed and it's all very emotional because it is a huge part of, um, your face and how you look and it can it is something that can make people quite self-conscious for sure yeah I, I had a patient actually recently like within the last week um which i guess kind of shows how often it does happen but one that bring like springs fresh to mind it's a guy um mid-30s he's had braces before but 
um, for whatever reason, he's ended up with gaps between his teeth. And we discussed different options. Should we go down the braces path again or should we um, just rebuild your teeth and shape them properly? And he decided, look, I, I just want, I've done braces before. I don't want to do it again. Let's just do that one. And we started the appointment. I was like, hey, how do you feel about today? And he's like, it's been 15 years. Like I've literally wanted to fix this for 15 years. I'm finally at a point now where I can afford it. And dude, I'm excited. So, you know, we did the work. It was a long appointment. It was about three hours. He did really well. We get to the end. We've got a mirror in our hallway. We bring him out and then he looks at them. He's like, bro, these are so good. <laughs> and then gave me a fist bump and that was, yeah, that is a really nice feeling. And to be able to do that every week or potentially every day is, yeah, it's massive. It's massive. So nice. What are graduates looking for these days in the dental careers? Um, I think mentorship will be the main one. Um yeah, mentorship and probably also a practice because not only a patient seeing what work is out there that in terms of like what work I'm doing, they're seeing what veneers I'm doing, for example. As dentists, we are also seeing what other dentists are doing for their work. So if you're a dentist who you've got a practice and you want to hire some new people, you should have a Facebook page to show what work you've got for potential employees in the future because if I was someone leaving and I wanted to start doing cosmetic work. Well, I want to see what that dentist is doing in terms of their cosmetic work to know are they doing the work that I want to be doing or the, the same style of work that I want to be doing. So I think that probably the, the main thing is that we're looking for mentorship and we're looking for a place that we know that we feel supported. Like that's that's huge. You leave university and you don't have enough knowledge. Like there's just so many scenarios that you have not seen before that you need to be able to count on the guy in the room next to you that he can get you out of trouble or she can get you out of trouble if you need it. So I think support, but then also uh, the mentorship to go over cases that are a bit difficult and the kind of like a holding hand, like let's we'll do the first case together if it's difficult type thing. So I think that would be the main one. Um, and then once you get into the job, it's it's also the culture of the place. You can always you can always tell when the culture is just off, like staff aren't really there because they want to be there. They're there because they get paid and it's they, they just come and go and they're not really having a great time. And I think that can be draining because it's, it's stressful. Like that adds to the extra stress and it's already in a stressful job. So you want the staff to be happy because then you're more happy. And I think, yeah, probably just culture of the practice, but then also mentorship. I think those would be the most important things. And thinking about um, what we talked about early in terms of things that you don't learn at university, yeah. what do you think are some of those key skills that people really need to be honing in on now um, sure. and for the future of dentistry? The biggest thing is communication. Like that's not only in dentistry, okay, that's, that's life, like learning how to be able to speak to someone in a way that they understand it succinctly and you can, you can give value to them or you can explain why value to doing that treatment or to doing something is important. And that's not something that we're, we're told about at all. So we leave university and someone comes in and we're taught that, okay, this tooth, part of it is broken off. The best treatment is to put a crown or a cap on it. And so when we get out to uni, it's like, okay, Mrs. Jones, you've, you've had that tooth and it's just broken. So we should be doing a crown for it. And she's like, mm, can, is there another type of treatment we can do? And we're like, oh yeah, I can do like a filling for it, but it's probably going to break. And she's like, no, we'll just do the filling. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Why did she choose like the not very good option? But little do you know that you didn't take a photo of the tooth. You didn't talk about why a crown is so much better and how it's going to add life to that tooth and how she's going to be back later if we do the filling. And there's all this stuff that they tell you from a textbook what's the best way, but they don't tell you how to explain that to someone. And if you can't explain that to someone and they don't get it, 
they're not going to choose that option. So you can do all of like the clinical professional development courses and learn how to place implants and how to do veneers. But if you can't add value or provide value to the patient as to why they should do it and how it will work, then they're never going to do it. So you'll learn all these skills and not be able to use them. So communication is like hands down number one. We don't get taught that at all. And what are your thoughts on the future of dentistry moving forward? I think that we're going to get to a time where a lot of people have less problems with their teeth. So through like the baby boomer generation, they used to do a lot of like drill and fill. It was like, oh, there's a small hole here. Cool. Let's put this really big old silver filling in there and then teeth start to break and then they have to have crowns later on. We use technology these days that is a lot more conservative than those old silver fillings. So there's, we, we get to keep more of the tooth. So because of that, they just need less treatment later on. And the things that we do also last longer. So the cycle of them needing fillings replaced and having bigger fillings done, it's slowing down a lot. So I think because of that, people will just have less issues with their teeth. So it's going to head towards, as social media kind of dictates, it's going to head towards more cosmetic things. So straightening teeth, getting veneers. Um, dentists can also do lip fillers as well. So there's like that. that's a huge part of it. Facial aesthetics. I think that's going to be where it heads. And I think it's also becoming more common for, for guys to do that as well. Um, I think like probably the stigma around like aesthetics and doing cosmetic things, it probably used to be more that it was just girls that would care about those things. But guys, are, they've got a little bit of vanity in them as well. They want to look nice. They want a nice smile. So it's becoming more common that, that guys are doing it. And oh, you're doing, oh, well, I'll go on to Invisalign too then. I'll get my teeth straightened. So I think if you're not keeping up with those things and if you're not trained in those things, then you will get left behind at some point. Yeah. Okay, so to finish off, um, we came up with a few dentistry myths that okay. we thought we would ask you. All right. um, we want to know if they're true, if they're false, um, where some of these things might have come from, if you know. Okay. Um, can I can I have my phone to Google them just in case? <laughs> I don't know the answer. <laughs> no, I'll just make something up. Myth number one, how good is calcium for your teeth? It's good when the teeth are developing, like when you're a kid, and then... Once your teeth are there, like it's, that's not doing anything. It's not doing anything. Really? So, so but then, no. So, I, so they talk about, you know, you need milk to have strong teeth. Not really. Like there's, you have bones and that's where our calcium mostly comes from. Yes, it comes from like a food source, but there's heaps of things that also have calcium that provide the calcium that we need. So if you're, like you would probably know as a kid, if you're calcium deficient, like you'll have issues type thing. Um, so if you're not calcium deficient, you've got enough calcium in your bones. And when your teeth are forming, the calcium already comes from your bloodstream. So it's not like you need to be having like slamming down all this milk to have better teeth. Once your teeth have already developed, like that process is finished. Like there's not amount of, there's no amount of milk that you can drink that's going to make your teeth better. It's, it's done. So it was a myth after yes. development. Yeah, I guess so. So then what do you, what, what can I do to make my teeth a little bit happier? That is a very good question and a long answer. Um, I would say, <laughs> if I can try and summarize it, keep them very clean because if you've got buildup of stuff around your teeth, the bugs that live in your mouth, they end up... There are bugs in my mouth. Bacteria everywhere. <laughs> not insects. Not insects. We should clarify. Actually, I don't know. I haven't looked in your mouth. <laughs> we should, you should go into one of the rooms. I'll do an exam and I'll check. No. Um, so I, I say bugs because it like kind of simplifies. That's one of the communication techniques. People get bugs rather than bacteria. Anyway, so these bugs, they break down the food in your mouth. They produce acid and that acid dissolves away your teeth and your gums. 
So if you've got a lot of buildup, then you've got problems. So just cleaning the teeth, super important. So that means brushing twice a day also means flossing or cleaning in between for like a water floss or a pixter or something like that. Uh, and then it's, it's kind of avoiding things that are higher in sugar as much as possible because those things get broken down faster. So they turn into acid faster, so they're worse. Um, but there's also like the, the other main key is the frequency of food through the day. So, so let's just say that you're like, I'm a healthy eater. I eat, you know, really good food, but I graze a lot through the day. The problem with that is that the more you're grazing, the more food is in your mouth, which means the more acid is getting produced and the more exposure of acid to your teeth is happening. So that can end up causing problems with your teeth without even knowing it, even if you're eating healthy. So separating your meals and like not having snacks in between is, is super important. Yeah. That's very interesting. Mm. Okay. Things that stay in your teeth. Coffee. So yeah, coffee, tea, red wine, and like really colorful like curries, like an orangey type of thing. If you have those things a lot, and it takes a lot, like it's a long time as well, but those are the, probably the four main ones. Yeah. And you say it takes a long time, but yeah. when I have a glass of red wine, you know how some people have that, like some people get the red mouth thing and teeth and some people don't. Yes. W- what is that if it's not a stain? It's like a covering. Because, yeah, it's not a, like it's, it doesn't embed itself into the tooth. So, it's only on the external surface. And, like, I, I don't know the research behind this. But thinking from a logic standpoint, I don't know, maybe they're not keeping their teeth clean enough. So, there's, like, already this film on there that the red wine adheres to. Maybe some people just, even if they're doing perfect hygiene, they're more likely to have that film even if things are clean. I don't know. Okay. That, that'd be an I don't know basket. I'll Google it. Next one. Dentistry is expensive. Not a myth. Not a myth. Not a myth. It's expensive. We, the the tools, that, like there's two reasons for it, probably three. One, it's expensive to actually go through university, like super expensive. We're not as bad as the States, but in the States, some of those degrees are like, you leave and you've got a 350,000 US dollar debt at the end of it. So, it's expensive to get the training. Then when you finish dentistry, the training to go on like a weekend course, it can be, a three-day course can be like $6,000, like just to learn a new technique. So, the, the actual experience part is it costs a lot the running of the practice then is the other reason why it costs a lot like we have a lot of like for every dentist there'll be like two or three staff at least we've also got these big expensive machines that then run the sterilization and the hand pieces that we use for the drills you need about like six per dentist they're like seven hundred dollars per hand piece a lot of the tools we use they're single use they have to be thrown away like we dentistry like to get the service is expensive but it's also for us to like give the service is expensive yeah not a myth not a myth <laughs> this is some we got really random with some of All these right. these are great poor people would sell their teeth in the olden days <laughs> <laughs> i haven't heard that maybe i should start keeping extracted teeth so i can mm. sell them i wonder who and where are you selling these things? <laughs> I haven't heard that one. It wouldn't surprise me. People will buy anything. People make jewelry. I've seen like jewelry being made like out of teeth. So maybe there's like some famous jeweler that's buying out all these poor people's teeth. Don't know. Um, so lastly, um, why do dreams about teeth mean you're worried about money? <laughs> maybe because dentistry is expensive. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a myth. <laughs> That's right, because you like maybe because I've heard of people like having dreams where they break their teeth, and if you break them, you need them to be fixed, and if you need them to be fixed, that's going to be expensive, and that's a worry money, a money worry. Yeah, maybe not a myth. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. We've left this this one with a few things for both of us to Google. Yeah, that's right. Uh, first one: poor people's teeth. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Black market to sell tea. <laughs> yeah. Does it still exist? <laughs> Where right. do I need to be sending my extracted teeth? Um, Dr. Paul, Paul, uh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed that. I've learned a lot as well. And um, I'm sure everyone else has too. And yep. make sure you have a look at um, all of the descriptions because we'll be, be putting... Um, Dr. Paul's Instagrams uh, you have cool. to go and listen to some of these songs they're absolutely <laughs> hilarious um, let's try and get them viral sounds good I'm down for that <laughs> Thank thanks you. for having me <laughs>